Welcome back to another episode of the Rookie Curse Podcast, a podcast for all things Philadelphia 76ers. My name is Andrew. Uh, I appreciate all of you that are listening. So I'll just get right into it. Uh, the Sixers are now six and three after starting five and zero. They were five and one at the time of my last podcast I recorded on the day after the Phoenix game in which they lost. And I, I mentioned how I was excited about the next two games, and I think both games were, I mean, just generally exciting. Um, and there were positives to take out of it, but the Sixers did go zero two on the rest of that trip and zero and three after. Or I guess it was a one and three road trip, and then zero and three in the last three um, in a week that I hoped would be two and two or three and one. Uh, even after Ben got hurt versus Utah, yeah, you know, they they looked they were with Utah for most of the game, and I mean I think the biggest lead for Utah when we get out uh, I don't have it in front of me. But I think they only got out to like an eleven point lead, and the Sixers actually kind of made a comeback, but it just seemed like it, it was never enough. Uh, I wasn't really, I wasn't really uh, too discouraged with that game, especially since Neto was kind of thrown in. I played well, but it was kind of it obviously wasn't the game plan, um, and there was some weird refereeing on both sides. Um, but other than, I mean, Embiid had a big night statistically, but he after the first half he didn't really get it going. Uh, he got to the line a lot, but he couldn't really get any field goals. Uh, Gobert was doing a pretty nice job on him, and Richardson played really really well uh, versus Utah. It seemed like he's starting to uh, come out of his shell as a shooter. After that 0-8 start, he's at 36% uh, from the Atlanta game on. So that's that's pretty encouraging. And versus Utah, uh, he had 24 points on 13 shots, 2 of 6 from 3, and he had 4 assists and 4 rebounds as well, and only one turnover. He was, he was very solid. He was plus 11 in a loss. Um, also hit a really deflating uh, buzzer beater because they were down by 4, uh, and he hit a mid-range shot to end the game but it didn't I mean, it was whatever they weren't gonna win the game so yeah that that game was rough ben went out like not even well, he got hurt like five minutes in and then they they brought him back and then they sat him and i was kind of i thought he was hurt at first but then when they brought him in i was like oh he's all right and then when they sat him i was worried that he got like benched uh which just would have been everywhere but he was hurt um with a shoulder a shoulder injury and i mean i think he'll be fine uh he sat out the last two games and I don't think he's going to play tomorrow either versus Cleveland. Um, so, I mean, you know, you want Ben, especially because having Ben that game would have really helped because uh, Bogdanovich and Ingles were kind of hurting the Sixers a lot, especially Bogdanovich. Bogdanovich is getting to the paint a lot, which I thought was weird. I know he, I know he can he can attack the basket, like, better than people think. And um, He's, like, a, a, a solid enough finisher, but it just seemed like it was a little too easy for him getting to the to the paint and that's a, that's that's like the you know that's the that's the thing with Ben that I feel like a lot of people forget not forget it's just you know he's he's he can be frustrating on offense especially with the shooting but if they do decide to trade Ben for a traditional point guard I hope people realize like hey our wing defense might suffer a lot even if that guy's a good defensive point guard um it's Ben's our guy for wings. Like Richardson's a good, a really a great defender, but he's more of a, you know, he guards one through three pretty well. I wouldn't, but Ben can guard anyone. Like if, if we're going in a series against Giannis is more of a center, I guess, but like Tatum or Brown or Jimmy, uh, or even like Siak, he wasn't really on Siak in the playoffs, but I think now I guess he would be because they don't have Kawhi. 
just guys like that. Or if we play against Kawhi or LeBron, like we need, if Ben's not on the team, we have a regular point guard. I don't know who would, I don't think Tobias can handle it. Uh, even though I have been, I have been impressed with Tobias's defense, but he's just not, he's not what Ben is on defense. And Ben's been playing terrifically on defense. Uh, so yeah, that, that was, that was a struggle, but versus Denver wasn't really as noticeable because they don't really have, uh, they don't really have like the, the scoring wings, I guess. Uh, they have Murray and Ben. That's why I, I was a little, uh, I'll get into to it after. I just kind of wanted Matisse to play that game just because Murray kind of started going off a little bit. Uh, I think T- Matisse could have done a decent job on him. He didn't play at all that game. So yeah, Utah overall wasn't really that disappointed. Um, you know, it, it sucked, but it wasn't like, it was, you know, I, I was kind of indifferent, I guess. Now the Denver game sucked. Uh, even without Ben, I didn't think they were going to win going into it, but they played so well for three quarters, even with Embiid. Embiid struggled that night, but he also got completely hosed by the rest the whole game. Like they were swiping at him. A lot of it was his fault. And Allah made a really good, uh, Allah Abdenawi made a really good point uh, on the broadcast when he said, like every, when, if you keep bringing the ball down, like you're not set, you're not seven feet tall anymore. You're six foot five. And that kind of, it's very true. Like Embiid was bringing it way too low, um, and it was a it was a frustrating game for him on on offense. Even if he got to the line a lot, and the team as a whole was just shot so poorly on free throws, it was very very odd. And they would have won if they shot even average on free throws. Um, that was, but that that fourth quarter was just. Like I said, there was a lot of poor refereeing, especially because Embiid once uh, picked Jokic, he, and they called it a foul on Embiid, and they got the ball back, and then Barrett hit that contested three, which was uh, just great. And and then the and one, they took away the and one part. Like they reviewed it to see if it was a foul. I thought maybe I maybe I I, I didn't get that part right, but. I thought they reviewed it to see if it was a foul and then they called it a foul and then they took away the and one. And that was like a huge momentum switch. And it just seemed like, I don't know. It was a crazy shot by Pete and maybe it wasn't, but I didn't know they were allowed to do that. I guess maybe it wasn't, maybe it was on the floor. It probably was on the floor, but also the Sixers shot 47% from the line. They shot eight of 17. It's just even a bead missed too. Um, and and B was doing good on Jokic that game, which and for the most part, then Jokic finally started hitting his shots. But like, he was he was playing really well. He had that insane block. He was protecting the paint well, and then it just all went down the drain. And Denver got really hot, and the Sixers couldn't hit a three in the fourth. I think only Neto hit a three that that quarter. Um, and turnovers killed us, and free throw shooting killed. It was just it was so it was so frustrating. Um, but they're still it's November and it's a team that isn't in our conference. Um, so I wasn't like, I was annoyed with it. Um, really also Embiid was fouled on the last play, but they didn't call it. They called it a foul on Embiid on the inbound, which, you know, I wish they didn't even say that the day after. Like it was just, just very annoying. Um, but there were positive taking that game. Uh, Neto was terrific. Neto's been terrific every game he's played, in my opinion. Last night he was eh, – I mean, he, he could have been better, I guess, but, like, for the most part, I thought he was – he just does a good job getting the offense going. Like, he's 
he's just kind of like a spark plug. Um, and he's been hitting his threes. He hit three versus Denver. He hit uh, one last night, and he hit one versus Utah. And he's got a great shot. Like he 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 looks like he can really shoot. He had thirteen and six versus Denver uh, in thirty minutes, thirteen points on only six shots and no turn or two turnovers. But he was he was really good, and he's he's proven kind of like a like a like a more ideal TJ. I know I brought up TJ last time, but like he's he's. TJ is I love him and Neto did a lot of things TJ does like those those little rim run uh, not rim runs those drives to the basket where he does like the little quick one hand scoop layup uh it looked he did one at the end of last night's game that looked just like TJ um and he dribbles into the paint and finds guys and does little fakes but he also shoots threes and he shoots them pretty quickly when he catches them which is like all we really needed it's not all we needed from TJ but TJ TJ could hit threes, but it would take him like six seconds to shoot. Uh, and Neto's a much more natural three point shooter, which is really nice because that means he'll be. I think they should see some some lineups with him and Simmons. I mean, why not? They played him and McConnell together. They played Simmons and McConnell together, which was terrible. But Neto can shoot. Um, so yeah, I, I've been I've been pleasantly surprised. I knew Neto was like a solid player. I just didn't. I don't know. He just, he just looks like. I don't, I don't think we've had a backup like him at point guard in a while. Um, and defensively, he's very he's very fundamentally sound. Like, he, he does a really good job denying the ball, which is just something I noticed, I guess. Um, I mentioned last time he had that unbelievably – it was just such a – it was such a – like, my, like thinking back to, like, high school basketball, it was like, if I did that in a, in a practice, the coach would get freaked out. Um, and it was like he stole the ball on a ball denial, and he – I can't remember which play. I think he just passed someone or it was uh, the play against Portland where he had like the tough finish and transition, but it doesn't matter what he did after that. But defensively, he knows what he's doing really well. And I don't think he gets as abused as TJ did. Um, and he just seems like he's annoying to play against, which I feel like this team has a lot of those guys. So yeah, Neto has been great. And then Burke's finally been playing the last two games. He's only played two games. Uh, first Denver, he had five points on seven shots. He had a three, uh, he had a buzzer beater, but and he had three assists as well uh, in only what, like 12 minutes, I think. Uh, but I, I've liked what I've seen from him. I think he plays really hard, and I really like that, and he played really well last night. You know, he, he's a bit of a gunner. Not really. Like, I don't know. I feel like his reputation is so much worse than what he actually is. Like, when I watch him, like, he seems willing to pass. He's, play, he's playing his ass off on defense. Like, even if he's kind of a liability, he doesn't always know, like, you know, he's not always a Mr. Reboard defender. But he plays really hard, and he'll pick a guy up full court a little bit, and he'll he gives a lot of effort, and that's all I really from Matt was asking for. I mean, he had, he had another three, he had a three in both of his first two games, and you know it's like it's just I don't know to me it, to me he's a great third point guard, and I feel like on some nights when we really need a bucket, like he can be the guy. He never he's never gonna live up to what he what he people thought he was gonna be, but he's only you know he's only twenty six, like he's not a a finished product. He's, in, he's a solid third point guard who can give you a solid 10 minutes a night. Like, that's all I, that's all I could really ask for him. Um, and he had well, 11 last night. No, 12 last night. How many, I don't remember how many points he had. But, yeah, Trey Burke, I, I, I liked what I've seen from him. And I always liked, like, I feel like people just kind of 
you know, before he went to the G League, he was like bad. And he's still probably technically bad, but he's he's just fine to me. I don't know. After he went to the G League and once he came back with the Knicks that year, I think it was two years ago, uh, he was great in that second half of that season. And then he was pretty solid with Dallas when he got traded there. Like, I mean, when I see what Dallas had to say about him, they seemed pretty positive on him. Um, in what was a kind of a weird year, like yeah, he shot 36% from three almost on three attempts a game. And he scored nine points on seven. Like he was, he was a, a solid player. I feel like it was weird that he was like in Brett's doghouse so quickly. I don't, I mean, obviously I don't see what's going on and I, you know, he's not like, like an above, he's not like above average at really anything, but he can do a little bit of stuff that we, that the Sixers in particular just need off the dribble. So the biggest positive from this tiny skid, I guess, before last night was that the Sixers finally have like a, a pretty good guard rotation where if Ben sits out, we're all right. Um, and that's, that's just, it's, I said it before. Like, I feel like if you have a, if you're, the Sixers bench has been such a problem, but if you have like a good backup ball handler and a good backup center, or at least backup big man, I guess, um, interior defender, Usually your bench can be pretty solid, even like disregarding what the other guys look like. And this team's got two good backup point guards and they've got a solid backup center in O'Quinn. And then, you know, they have Horford playing with the second unit sometimes. So it's, it's been positive and their wings are, are playing well, which gets me on my next talking point, which is I'll talk about the Charlotte game as a whole in a, in a little bit, but Korkmaz, uh, He's kept it going, and he actually, you know, he might not shoot as well for the whole year as he is right now. He's shooting 45% from three. Yeah, that's going to go down. But the confidence and the aggressiveness on defense, not aggressiveness, I guess, on defense, but, like, the the competence on defense has been so pleasant, such a pleasant surprise. He, he legitimately looks like a solid NBA wing that can give you 20 really good minutes a night. Um, Still not great on defense, and he still might be a little bit too trigger happy on offense. He's, I mean, he's got the quickest trigger I've ever seen in my life. But last night he did pass up a three, uh, try to give it to Al Horford, and Al Horford missed in the corner. But you know, he can be the he, his off ball movement has been really impressive, in my opinion. Like, he knows what he's he, he has a good sense of what he's doing off the ball, makes good cuts. He had a really beautiful cut last night. Uh, O'Quinn hit him on like a like a all-in-one motion layup, I guess, like an alley-oop layup reverse under the rim. It was beautiful. Um, and he's tall, so he can shoot over guys. Like, he's yeah, – like, I mean, we were all down on him, but, like, the idea of Korkmaz was always somewhat interesting, at least if he could shoot. And this year he's doing it. Um, it's only been nine games, but he does look like a way more confident player overall. And he's – I guess I, I never realized it, but he's only 22 years old, and he just turned 22 in July. Like, I, I don't know why. I thought he was, like, 20. I guess because he kind of looks old with the beard. But, like, he, I thought he was, like, 26. And maybe part of it was because, like, he came overseas after he, like, he was drafted and then he spent a little bit of time overseas. So it just made us – it made him feel like he was older. But he's only 22. He's younger than – or he's, like, he's younger than Matisse. And he's barely – and he's younger than Ben. I guess they were drafted in the same year. But, like, you know, he, he's – he was very bad, and it was kind of weird when they signed him, especially after they didn't pick up his option. But I guess we, in retrospect, we really should have tried to give him more of a shot. Um, 
and I, I'm really glad. And he seems like he's been kind of more animated. And obviously, I mean, if you're playing well, you're gonna be happier. Um, and it's it's been great. And if he can, you know, if he can hang around just like 38 to 40 percent, anything above 40 percent is gravy. Like that's that's. <laughs> That's a hell of a player for making like he's making like two million and he has a team option next year, which they will. I I mean at least looking like it right now they will 100 percent uh, pick up that option. So yeah, Corkmans has been just such a blessing and he has a little bit of creation off the dribble and you know he's a, he's a highly regarded Turkish prospect for a reason. Um, you know a lot of people were very excited when he was picked. It's just now with Colangelo and then you know he was he was hurt his first year a lot and then last year when he did play he wasn't really great and he got hurt again so a lot of it there was a like it's a bad aura i guess around the way people thought about Corkmaz. but hey i'm all for Corkmaz renaissance so yeah that's my that's my point and if he continues it then we don't they still need an like i said last time they still need another shooter or another in my opinion just another perimeter player uh at some point in the season but Korkmaz makes it not as urgent, I guess, because he's spacing the floor well and he's he's getting his points. He's scoring 10 points a game. So moving on, I guess I'll, I'll just talk about last night's game. So the for 40, I think like 40 out of the 48 minutes, they played really well. And then the end of the first half and the end of the second half, they were, I mean, the end of the first half, they were actually bad. The end of the second half, like they had their third stringers in and then Charlie hit four straight threes. Uh, in like 90 seconds. So it was, they were up by like 18 with like two minutes left. I wasn't, that was more of just like a weird thing with Bolden and Matisse um, and Trey Burke and O'Quinn. And who's the other one? I can't, I think Ennis was the other player. So that's a pretty rough lineup. So that, that was, that was weird. By the end of the first half, it was like, all right, they're just kind of doing whatever they want. They're really attacking the paint, and you know, the team were kind of lazy, and they were settling for bad shots, and that's the whole reason Charlotte went up. They have six were up by 14 in the first half, and then Charlotte ended the half up five. But then the Sixers came right back out in the second half and scored like seven straight. And, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, they've, they, they, they just kind of put their foot in their necks. So I think that was the best Richardson I think Utah was a better overall game, but Josh is Josh was really good last night, and I really love him playing shooting. I think he I think he always played with one of Neto or Burke, which I love. Um, like I said, it's good that Josh can do it at a pinch, but I don't want him playing point guard. He looks so much better as an as a secondary creator rather than someone who has to initiate the, the whole offense. And he shot well. He hit a, a three from the corner off a really terrific Embiid pass. He hit a a three from the um. I guess like an above the break three in the first half. And then he also hit one off the dribble uh, kind of in some guys, not really, it wasn't like completely contested, but it the guy that contested the shot, it just wasn't like a, like a great contest, but he had a, like a, a dribbled into did a little crossover through the legs and then pulled up and he, and he sank it. And he had a really nice finish with the left hand and he was just good overall. And I, I like, that's the Josh that, you know, we always want to shoot well, but like, just like he looked more comfortable in the offense, which, you know, it's, it's been nine games and they've had a bunch of different lineups and been a lot of weird stuff. So, um, it was going to take him some time to get acclimated, especially because I think they're using him more than people thought with the ball in his hands than they thought they would when they, uh, acquired him. But yeah, he recently he's been looking, he's been looking real solid. Now Tobias, was good last night 
uh, very solid overall game, played some really good defense. He got to the basket. He hit a few mid-range jumpers. <clears throat> Excuse me again. But it's weird that Tobias is like kind of not taking threes right now. And he started out well enough from three. Um, he was at like 37%. He had a really great game against Detroit. And then he kind of just stopped. He had six versus Phoenix on Monday, and then he's taken four since then. And he didn't really he didn't make any of them, and he didn't really look comfortable shooting them. And now he's at 28% after starting um, at 36% on five attempts a game through the first five games. He's at 0%. Now he's at the first five games, he was at 36% on five attempts. Since then, he is at, excuse me, just put this in. He is at one per, or not one percent, ten percent on two and a half attempts. So he's one for ten. Uh, and it's a little odd. And I, I feel like Tobias, like he was a great. He, he shot really well the last two years, but he's not like a natural. In terms of his confidence, I don't think he's a natural shooter. At least from three, like he. I, don't, I feel like if he has a kind of rough game shooting, like he's gonna kind of revert back to his old style of like getting to the paint and hitting mid-range jumpers, which is, is not ideal for this team, but he's still spacing it. Like they're still guarding him out on the three point line, which is what they need. Um, and he's been shooting really well from mid-range, like really well from mid-range. So it's not, it's not like doom and gloom, but it is a little odd that he was doing that. It's like versus Phoenix though. Like he was awesome versus Phoenix. He had 24 and 10, um, he was forcing some bad threes at the end, but like overall he was, he was really good. Um, and versus Utah in the fourth, he was getting to the line a lot. He had 10 free throws that game, which I, I really love when Tobias gets free throws because he's already pretty efficient and he's been efficient this year while shooting 28% from three. He's at 58 true shooting and 54 effective field goal. So like he's been, he's been scoring well, uh, he's averaging 18, eight and three. And I, I'm, I've been happy with him overall. It's just the shooting is a little odd, but yeah, I think I think I think he'll have like a couple of good games and they'll kind of get back into the rhythm. Uh, but right now they don't really need him to hit those threes because Corkmaz and Richardson have picked it up and Neto and Burke and Scott and you know all the and Horford. So, yeah, Tobias. Uh, we'll see. I feel like he's a hundred percent going to be the scapegoat though. Whenever they lose, because of the contract and the trade and. You know, yeah, he should he should have high expectations, but I feel like it's not we're not losing games because Tobias, really, in my opinion. But I don't know. Um, so moving on to someone else, I want to talk about who was terrific last night was Horford, and Horford's usually good, but he had he had gotten a little bit trigger happy for two games, um, culminating in a pretty rough air ball against Denver in like kind of an important moment. And I'm fine with Horford taking threes. I think he showed he's a good shooter. He's had some really good shooting games. He went um, five for eight versus Phoenix. And I, that was kind of his only really good, like great shooting game so far. He's at a uh, 33% on, um, on 4.7 attempts per game. But he he it went it went a little overboard versus Denver and Utah. He was three for eleven combined. Uh, I really would rather him stay around four attempts a game, not six or five and a half. 
And I think he realized that. And last night he only took one, and it was like a corner three when he was wide open. But he sold 15 points, seven rebounds, five assists, um, and a steal. And he was just like – he got he was getting to the paint. He had like a few beautiful spin moves, and it was on a rookie. But P.J. Washington, I think, is – is like a pretty solid defender for his age. Um, and he just dusted him twice. Uh, one, he had like an and one kind of nifty layup. He was so good. He was doing all the, the little Al Horford things that we used to hate him for. He's doing them so well. Um, love his illegal screens. I'm perfectly fine with him getting away with them now that he's not on the Celtics. He, he's been, he's been great and he can get you a bucket. Like, you know, he can go in the post. It's never sexy, but he'll get you a bucket when you need it. Um, but he, just, I feel like he just always makes the team better. He was a plus 25 last night and he was a plus 26 versus Minnesota. And he was like a positive and in most of these games, like a pretty big positive. So well, I think he's just been great. I like, it, it's really hard to understate, uh, to overstate, I guess. I don't know. It's really hard to just like put into words how good he's been and how important he's been for this team. Even if the stats will never show it. Like, I, I really – I mean, he still scored 16 a game, which is more than he was in Boston. Um, and he's also averaging four assists, which I love. Like, I, I, Horford's just uh, – I'm, I'm such a big Al Horford fan. <laughs> I like, mean, you know the Paul Rudd meme, who would have thought? Not me. That's that's me without Horford. Like, I never – I never would have thought I would love a player like I love Al Horford. So I, th- I thank Elton for knowing him and – I thank Josh Harris for paying him a lot of money, even though he's 33. And I appreciate any uh, – I feel like Mike Scott recruited him a little bit because they were, they were teammates in Atlanta. So I thank all of them because he's really great. Regardless of what happens in the next few years. For this year, we're trying to win it all, and he's a great, great player. So, yeah, that's, that's mostly what I got from last night. Uh, oh, I guess I'll talk about Embiid overall. Um, so last night he had 18-9. He, he had some a solid game overall, but it was kind of like he was sleepwalking sometimes and – uh, honestly, I'm fine with Embiid not always like being going balls to the wall. Like we saw what happens when he when he has to do that last week. And I, I, this is a great my favorite stat probably from the whole year. Last year through six games, he was playing 35.8 minutes a game. This year, he's at 28 or 27.7. If you take away the Minnesota game, he's at 28, which is just perfect. That's just all I wanted. Obviously, I'd like him to be a little bit less sloppy with the ball. He's still averaging 3.5 turnovers. He's averaging the same amount of turnovers this year as he did last year in uh, almost six minutes less per game, um, which isn't great. And he's foul- it seemed like he's fouling a lot more. He's averaging four fouls a game as opposed to three, 3.3 the last two years and 3.6 as a rookie. Um, but overall, I think, I think he's been good, especially I feel like defensively he's been good. There are there is too many times where he like completely disregards any center shooting. Like it happened with Zeller twice. I can't remember if Embiid was in the second time, but in the first time, he literally was like facing Zeller when Zeller had the ball at the top of the key, wide open, and Embiid was kind of like looking at him, and he like pretty much turned like right as soon as Zeller started shooting. He turned and went to the rebound, and Zeller sank it. Which I know, like that's the like we want those guys shooting threes. We don't we we don't care if these bigs hit 30% of their threes and hits one a game or, you know, like it's, it's not part of the defensive game plan, but there are times where it's like, all right, can you at least like try to put a hand up and happen with Jokic a lot where it just seems like he, he's 
hates defending threes. And Embiid can actually like kind of switch on the perimeter a little bit. So it's it was weird that he it's it's weird that he just like completely disregards center shooting threes. Like Jokic, you know, he's had a, a weird start shooting, but he can make threes. We've seen him make threes a million times. He's like a th- he was like a thirty nine percent three point shooter last year. Like you should. Uh, I don't know. It was, it was it, at, that's there's sometimes with Embiid where it's frustrating, but then I realize like I can't. I when it's May and I want him to be in perfect shape. So if he's in, that's all we need. So over, but overall, I think I think he's been pretty solid. I think he's been limiting his threes for the most part. I mean, he's still shooting three and a half, but I don't think he's like. I feel like at times last year got a little bit too crazy, and I hope this dispels the notion that like Ben is the reason why he has to shoot threes. Like he's like Ben's been out and he's still shooting threes. Like it's not like he's like you know I don't know. But I'm still I'm still pretty happy. Like he's he hasn't even looked great this year, and he's averaging 22 and 12. Um, with almost two blocks a game. Like he's, he's just a superstar. He's, and he's the, he's the, the, the straw that stirs the drink for this team. Obviously he's the best player, but he really is like, they are a different team when he's in the game. And I really just love watching him. Even if he can be a little frustrating, he still barely played any NBA basketball relative to his peers and relative to players uh, of his status. He's barely played. He's played a lot now. Like he's got a lot of experience and he, you know, he's, He's not as fun to watch. He, no, he no, he's fun to watch though. But he's not like as, uh, I guess like there was something about rookie Joel that was just like mind blowing. And I think a lot of it was how wild he was. And now he's not as wild. But I do wish like I feel like sometimes he resorts to his fadeaway jumper too much. I feel like just a simple spin and hook shot would do a lot more because like who's gonna block and beat like no one, especially like Paul Millsap. Come on. Almost has a great defender, but Embiid should be able to just put a hook right over his head. Even Jokic, I mean, he's like this, he's probably a little bigger than Jokic. So that, that can be frustrating, but I, and I think that uh, I haven't looked at this. I guess I can look at his shooting stats, but man, that's a, yeah, see, this year from 10 to 16 feet, he's at, he's shooting so much better than he did last year. Last year, he was at 36%, and the year before, he was at 43%. And because I remember two years ago, it felt like Embiid's mid-range was just absolute butter. Like, just perfect. Like, every time. Uh, from, like, the free throw line extended to, like, I guess, like, 10 to 16 feet, right? But uh, this year, he's at 43.8%. Last year, 366 And the year before that, 43.1%. And I, I feel like he has been shooting really well from mid-range. I really like that because that can, that can be, like a, like, a, like, a, like, a look that we need, you know? Um. So yeah, that's all I'll say about Embiid. Still, really love Embiid, and we need him. And I don't care what happens in November. I care about what happens in April, May, and June. So if he needs to take off some plays, it's fine by me. So moving on uh, to our backup wings. This is the last talking point before I talk about uh, the games of the, uh, the upcoming games this week. So Matisse has not played very much at all. Uh, he barely played versus Utah. Did not play versus Denver, and then only played the last two minutes last night. And I understand why, you know, he's a great defensive player, but there are times where he's going to look overmatched by really like an elite scorer because um, those guys just score regardless of who's defending them. And offensively, he looks, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, all he has to do is just like stay in the corner and shoot threes. But, you know, Brett asks his wings to do a lot when it comes to moving off the ball and, you know, doing, you know, passing to the to the stars and 
um, you know, taking handoffs and stuff. Like he, he's not, he, it's not Houston, I guess, even though I think Houston's offense is a lot more complicated than people think, but in terms of what they're asking their, their role players to do on offense, um, I feel like we're a little more, we have them a little more involved and he's looked very bad on offense. Um, some shooting moments and some, some slashy moments and a couple passes that were really nice, but overall he just looks like completely overwhelmed on offense, which is fine. Like I said, he's not going to be a great offensive player. He's not going to be a scorer. Um, and I'm fine with Brett. I mean, I, I kind of wish Brett would play him a little bit more, but, but I think Brett, like he's, he, he, Batiste knows he, Brett's confident in him for the most part. Like he, he played him like 20 minutes in his first game in the NBA against good perimeter players. And he started him when it beats that the first two games. Um, which I, I really liked. I really liked that. So I'm not too worried about that. Ennis has been, I, I, I like James Ennis. Um, really love his hustle and, you know, the way he crashes the glass and seems like a, a good, uh, a good teammate, but man, he messes up a lot <laughs> and he's not a great shooter. He's at 27%. He's at 30% last year with the Sixers. You know, he's a 30 overall for his career. He's at 35.6%, which I guess is it's solid. It's solid, but it just seems like he's never going to make it. Like, I never think he's going to make it three. His shot's a little weird. It's, you know, clean release, but it's just a little slow. Um, and there's a lot of times where he gets beat off the dribble, where he gets beat by his man, and he fouls, or he, he he's passing to someone like five feet away, and he turns it over. But then, like every time I every time I talk down on him, then like if I if I'm telling my friend like and it sucks, then the next play he'll like get a huge offensive rebound or a putback or a, a slam or you know like a like a weird little James Ennis play. Uh, so and, you know for now I'm fine with James Ennis. Like it's it's whatever. Um, we could do a lot worse, and we have done a lot. <laughs> Excuse me, we have done a lot worse than James Ennis in the past. So I'm not really complaining about him. Um, I feel like Mike Scott is like barely played. Um, and I, I mean, he's shooting pretty well. He's at 37% from three, uh, on three attempts, but yeah, he only played 17 minutes a game. And last year with the six, he played 24 and I don't know. It just feels like he's like, he's not, I kind of figured he'd be like the first guy off the bench. And I guess now it's kind of Korkmaz or, um, Ennis or it was Matisse. And yeah, it's it's it's. I mean, he's he's been good though. Yeah, I think I feel like uh, Mike has scored a lot more off the dribble this year. Like he's had some drives, and he had a couple like st- like last night he had a step back and on the baseline, and it's uh it, it's it's intriguing. Just so we just so we can know like oh if it absolutely comes down to it like hey Mike can put it on the deck a little bit, he can get to the basket, he can hit a, a mid range tough shot. But he's still spacing the floor well, and he's playing pretty solid defense. Yeah, I've been, I've been happy with Mike. Um, I'm, I'm kind of interested to see how much Shake plays when he comes back, because you know he was looking good, but like we don't, I don't know, I don't really know if what's to deal with him and Ennis or him and Matisse or or what, or if they if they're going to run him at point guard. Like now, I don't think they will. Um, they weren't really in the first place, but you know, a lot of people thought Shake could be the backup point guard at some point, or at least third string point guard. And he's been used more as like a shooting guard, small forward. So we'll see. I'm I'm excited to watch Shake though because he he was. If I mean if he's if he's gonna shoot well too, him and Quarkmas, then man, this seems looking a lot more complete. Uh, even if there is still like a creation issue. 
So we will see about that. I haven't heard any reports yet because they said he was going to be reevaluated after he returned from the from the trip. I haven't heard anything. So I'll keep an eye out for that. Uh, so I'll just look ahead to the next uh, slate of games. They've got four games from now until Sunday. Um, two are against the Cavs. One's tomorrow at Wells Fargo. And then Sunday, it's in Cleveland, Sunday afternoon. Um, Cleveland's not bad. Their starting lineup is like a plus 16 for 100 possessions, and it's used a lot. It's just their bench sucks. Uh, they're four and five. They blew out. Wow. Uh, Chris Middleton out several weeks. Jeez. Um, they blew out the Knicks. They've, you know, they've gone with the, they've gone toe to toe with the Pacers. Like they're, they're pretty, they're a feisty team. Like, and I, I like a lot of their players. Um, and their front court players are actually really solid. Like love, Tristan and uh, Nance are all, in my opinion, very, you know, Love's really good still. And I, I hate, you know, he got paid, so I guess I can't, like, feel bad for him. But it does seem like, you know, he's not going to be what he was. Oh, well. Uh, okay, I just got a, just got an update. Uh, ben is questionable. Shake is doubtful tomorrow. And Al Horford is out for a planned rest. So that's interesting. Uh, good use of load management because if they have a, Back-to-back, I feel like Embiid might sit on Wednesday and then Horford will sit Tuesday, so that makes sense. Um, but, yeah, back to the Cleveland. Uh, I'm kind of worried about their guards because last year we lost to Cleveland because of Clarkson and Sexton like hitting a million mid-range jumpers and Hood, who still kills us. Um, and we're kind of doing that same drop coverage thing this year, which I don't like, but I understand why they're doing it. Um, I think we're going to win because they were a better team, but there, there is some upset potential there and that would be really annoying social media wise. Orlando will be interesting because they have a lot of size and not much shooting and their offense has been trash. So let me see what their offense is. Uh, they might be last, honestly. Their offense is set. It's 29. They're averaging 29 points or not, not 29, 99 points per 100 possessions. Only, only slightly better than the Knicks. And they're like kind of sizably worse than, uh, Memphis at 28. Also seeing Utah down there is weird. They're 27th in offense. And their defense is only – their defense is six. So they're still, they're still stopping teams. Uh, for reference, the Sixers are 7th in defense and 16th in offense, which I think will, will even out a little bit. Um, I expect the Sixers to be like, you know, like 11th in offense and like top three in defense by the end of the year. Uh, I'm kind of questioning how long the Lakers will be able to stop teams the way they have. But – you know, Orlando, they have, like, no shooting at all. Uh, Markel has been good, but he hasn't been shooting – or he hasn't been shooting well. He's been taking them. Uh, it's my boy. Till the end. Uh, Fournier has been, has been great. Vooch hasn't been great. And uh, Gordon's kind of been a little disappointed. He has picked it up recently. But they have, like, the – physically, they have, like a, like, a similar team to us. Yeah, Vooch is shooting 23% from three, and he's scoring – only 17 points a game this year. And he's been far, far, far less efficient than he was last year. Uh, that might be that might be a bit of a worry for them. But I'm not going to underestimate them, but I, I think the Sixers should win that game. Might still go to that game because uh, I live in Orlando. Or not in Orlando. Orlando is my closest basketball team. I don't live that close, but they're the closest team to me. So I might go. I'm definitely going to go in December. But... Yeah, uh, 
I think I think they'll go and then they play the Thunder on Friday. Thunder are solid, a good bad team, um, but they their perimeter defense is terrible and their interior defense isn't much better. So I think we should win that one. Is it on? No, it's not on, on national TV. Oh, it's in Oklahoma City. Wow, I thought that was at home for some reason. So that might that might be a tough one, especially if uh, Chris Paul is playing, which I think he will. SGA is a very solid player, but if we had been like I feel, I'm pretty confident we can we can handle them. And then we play the Cavs again on Sunday. Uh, we'll see. Uh, just what I said the last time. So yeah, I'm I'm excited for this week. And then after that, they got Knicks uh, and Spurs, and then the Heat on Saturday, November 23rd. Heat and Raptors back to back. That'll be interesting. Jimmy's gonna get booed. Uh, whether I I don't really care if they boo him. Like I'm not like attached to him, but I, I wasn't really ever mad at Jimmy um for leaving or you know you got his richardson doesn't really i mean the, the comments about something that happened like dude just just like move on man i don't know even if they ask you just be like yeah it was a fun time and it was just i was looking for something different that's all i had to say um and i feel like it was definitely something between him and either ben or tobias because he went out of his way to shout out joel um and he's always seemed pretty close to tj and jj um and amir and other guys so we'll see but he's gonna get booed. But I, I, I'm, I'm always gonna be a Jimmy fan at heart. And the Spurs, yeah, it's too far away. I'm not, I'm not stressing out about the Spurs at this point. It's still 11 days away. So, yeah, that's pretty much all I got today. Um, I am pretty happy with where the team is overall. The, the, the honestly, the only game I'm really pissed off about is the Denver game. But even then, it's an away game against a good team, and Ben wasn't playing. Like, and and a vacuum it's not a bad loss just kind of the way that it happened um but they were up 21 on a very great team on the road without their second best player so that's i mean if you're a glass half full kind of guy or girl um that's a good way to look at it i guess so yeah i'll probably like i said i'll probably hop in after these uh after the stretch of games maybe after the three i don't really feel like waiting four games because by then who's gonna care about the first Cavs game after the second one unless something crazy happens. So yeah. Uh, thank you for listening. If you did I'm going to sign off now, have a good day. <laughs>